0: Hey, Internet, I'm Simon Squibb, your host at the Good Luck Club podcast. Our mission is to help anybody out there that's thinking of starting a business do just that. Equally, if you've started a business and are struggling, maybe you need a little bit of inspiration and knowledge. And we hope by interviewing some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs and changemakers that you'll get the knowledge you need to become the person you want and turn your business into that dream company. I personally have started 17 companies from scratch and have invested in over 65 startups. I left school at 15 with near zero education and was able to retire at 40. When I sat down and analyzed how I did it, I discovered a secret, it was all luck. So in each episode, I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, no matter what you're building, shipping or thinking, without luck, it ain't gonna work. Each week, I will discuss with my guests this theory and test it and see if luck is a skill as I feel it is and if it's possible to pass it on to the next generation of entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy our episode this week. Welcome to episode 20 of the Good Luck Club podcast with our guest this week, Dr. Christina Dean, founder of Redress and the R Collection. Christina is a sustainable fashion advocate who founded the charity Redress, with its mission to reduce waste in the fashion industry in 2007. She's also the founder of the R Collective, a social impact upcycle fashion brand which she created in 2017. It focuses on creating sustainable luxury fashion using luxury brands, Waste Materials. It's debuted in Barneys New York and Lane Crawford. Christina is an award-winning journalist having written opinion pieces for CNN, Huffington Post and China Daily and is widely quoted in Vogue, BBC, New York Times, Forbes and Bloomberg Businessweek. She hosted the TV documentary Frontline Fashion and her TED Talk on You Are What You Wear has been widely watched. Christina has received numerous recognitions including a UK Vogue recent nomination as Top 30 Inspirational Woman. She splits her time between Hong Kong and London. And today she joins us from her front living room in lockdown in London. Christina, thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure. It's very nice to be here.
0: And I always like to start off the podcast by asking this kind of opening question, which is what is success to you?
1: Well, I think success for me is more of a sort of inner feeling of being able to do what brings you meaning and what you enjoy, and therefore, by virtue of that, brings you joy in a purposeful way, um, and that is success. It's quite difficult to grasp, and it's something that we all want, um, but I think it's, a, it's quite a deep-rooted, um, it has its roots quite deeply in who we are as people, as to what success is.
0: When you were younger, was the definition of success different? Has it changed over time?
1: Oh, yeah. When I was younger, success was so simple. You know, it was, you know, doing one class, winning the races and swimming, you know, being... I'm not going to say being the best, but when you're young, success is very black and white because you don't have the layers of your personality yet really formed. Um, And I suppose, therefore, you know, it's... Life is always much simpler, of course, when we're younger. So success was easy when I was younger. But now, as a more mature woman, it's actually my birthday today, I'm 42. Heads up.
0: Yes, congratulations. You made it to 42. (laughs) Well done.
1: Um, So as an older person with such a much more complicated personality in terms of, you know, seeking meaning in life is so much more complicated, then yes, of course, success so too is much harder to grasp and to taste and to live.
0: Well, um, I just want to say thank you on behalf of myself and the listeners that you've come on on your birthday. Thank you so much and appreciate you. I think it kind of probably personifies who you are as a person. You sound like you're a very giving person. Even on your birthday, you're willing to jump on a podcast and share your story. So thank you for that. What, yeah, it's a pleasure. What, yeah, what, what is, um, you know, you, you mentioned there, you know, when you were younger, things were easy. I guess young people never feel that. They always feel like life's so complicated. They don't know what they're going to do or they don't know what they want to do. You know, if if you would give some advice to some young people out there that might be listening and thinking of starting a business, you know, what what advice would that be?
1: I would always say for younger people thinking of starting a business, I would say um, I would say have courage to take flight um, because whilst it is very scary, it's very scary starting a business. It's also actually very scary running a business, particularly in times like. Like today. But I still strongly think that um, where there is a, a glimmer of passion and hope and a desire, go for it. Which sounds terribly oversimplified. But I, I believe that um, you shouldn't let fear stop you from doing something. Mm. So I and, and I particularly say that maybe I need to explain briefly who I am, because in a nutshell, I've, I've made, I'm, I don't know if you want me to segue into this, sorry, but basically, I've started enterprises a few in my time, and I've done many, many things which I should never have been able to do. In, if you look at my CV, if you look at who I am on paper, I am really not supposed to be doing what I'm doing. But it is because I'm passionate and because I'm intrigued and because I somehow squash fear down that I'm able to get where I'm at. So therefore, like when I'm thinking about a younger person starting a business, I would just say, um, even if you don't feel equipped, you can actually do it. Mm. Because I've done it and I'm not equipped to be doing what I'm doing at Mm. all. But I've I've somehow meandered my way through 13, 14 years of hell. And I'm still here with a smile on my face on my birthday.
0: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a really interesting Insight actually, that you're highlighting there. I think that a lot of people, for example, don't think they should be entrepreneurs. Uh, because they they've decided what an entrepreneur looks like and there are actually eight different types of entrepreneurs but they've got an image of what an entrepreneur looks like so it's interesting when you say you know you're not meant to be you know on paper this wouldn't be what you'd be doing but go and do what is purposeful to you and and it will all fall into place it's kind of my sum up of what you just kind of said but I feel like you know what should you be doing then I mean it's interesting What, what on paper what do you think you would be doing
1: I should be um, filling people's teeth and removing their teeth because I'm uh, a trained dentist. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I'm, I'm, I'm a qualified dentist and that was my first career. Was literally that's
0: not on your LinkedIn? No. No,
1: it's an old, <laughs> old, old skill. It's so, like so that
0: old um, I worked at Blockbusters thing, is it? Huh? Is it that on the CV, I used to work at Blockbusters. It's, it's, it's that far back <laughs> that it's it's not on the CV anymore. Yeah. Right.
1: yeah, so that's what I should be doing on paper. I shouldn't be a sustainable fashion entrepreneur stroke advocate who's, mm. you know, done... Obviously, I don't want to, like, pat my own back, but I...
0: Well, if you don't, don't, who do. will?
1: No, I, I don't, like... I mean, I'm lucky I enjoy what I do, so I get little pats on the back every day, and they're, like, a little bits of enjoyment and meaning so that is my pat on the back I don't need other people to do it really and I don't I think self-congratulation is a bit cheesy and a bit yeah it's unnecessary so if you enjoy something you don't really need a pat on the back is Mm. really what I'm saying Well so yes I should be in a dental surgery right now but I'm not Mm. that's my first experience of (laughs) fear I suppose actually that was why what I was referring to because I so basically I was a dentist and then I I became a journalist and I was writing about health and uh, public health and um, the effects of water pollution and environmental pollution on health and I do have a natural and very deep-rooted interest in public health and it was that Understanding of fashion and textile industry, traveling around Asia, particularly around China, seeing the pollution from multiple sectors and, and understanding the health effects that that had, that was my turning point from leaving a kind of medical world, if you can call it that, to uh, entrepreneur fashion world. Now, so how did it feel? It was terrifying because I had, you know, seven years in the bank of bit, uh, one skill, being a dentist, and then all of a sudden I was going to go into something completely different, which was, you know, advocacy around sustainable fashion. So the only thing that got me through it was basically a gut full of determination because I had absolutely no experience. And that's why I say to young to people who are considering, sometimes you do, not having experience in something is exactly what you need. Mm. Because I was ballsy enough, and quite honestly, maybe I wasn't stupid enough, I was ballsy enough to ask very obvious questions of the fashion industry. Why the hell are you so polluting? And surely there can be a better way to make and produce and wear clothes. And that was my very obvious question, which had I been trained in the fashion industry, had I come through a uni and done design, textile design, whatever, I probably wouldn't have had the balls to ask those very obvious questions. And by the way, I do have balls, even mm-hmm. though I don't really. No. I, do, I do have balls. <laughs> to be an entrepreneur, you have to have balls. Totally. Yeah, and actually that sounds really sexist. Balls or boobs, no. I would have to say. Uh, you have to have, you've got to. Have
0: I think a, I think it's an English so saying have have for have like grit. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Sorry. It's an English saying for for grit. For any American listeners out there, we're not not you're not being crude. It's kind of a the way of explaining toughness, I guess. Yeah. Which actually, yeah. when you think yeah. about it, even that's probably not quite right. But still, yes, your point is yeah, about toughness is, I, you it's have
1: grit. And actually, now we need grit more than in a, more than ever before. Totally. You know. It's, you know, business is easy on a good day. I mean, anyone can do it. I've always said that, you know, obviously I started a charity first and I I started and ran Redress, the charity. For 10 years I ran it. It's now 13 years and I'm now the board chair of that, but I'm still very, very heavily involved in Redress. Um, And then for three years I've been... Uh, I founded and then ran the R Collective, which is a social impact business. So I've had my fingers in the pies of nonprofits and for-profits or social impact business. Um, And, you know, when times are good, anything's easy. Anyone can do it. Anyone can start an organization. It's not that difficult. It's when things get tough that you need this grip. I have to say, I can genuinely say my feet are slightly numb right now because I feel under so much pressure to keep the money coming into these organizations and to keep people's jobs and to keep this dream alive when i say my feet are numb i actually mean it it's like it's not anxiety it's it's just it maybe it's a little bit of fear it's determination this is grit mm. this is this is you know the shit is hitting the fan literally as we speak and um so this is when like an entrepreneur has got a you know, dig down into their guts
0: and find a bit more strength. Mm. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, we're, we're, we're already 10 minutes in, we haven't mentioned the word coronavirus yet. And so, you know, we're talking about it with the elephant in the room. But, but you know, I, I think some of the things you've just said there are absolutely right on point. Anyone listening, I hope you're picking up on it. But, you know, the, the grit piece is is so true. You need grit. Mm. I mean, you need grit to quit your dentist, frankly, well-paid comfortable job and go and start something and that 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 you know that 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 alone takes grit anyone out there that's a dentist that doesn't enjoy it but earns good money you know quit and start a business Mm -hmm. wow but that grit you know it never stops getting the decisions get harder and harder actually right and and i think you know it's it's fascinating for people to get an insight into into that from you do you, you do you think the coronavirus i mean of all the challenges you've had in your business up until this point is this the biggest one or or, or have there been harder yeah. times
1: this is the biggest challenge i've ever had because it's a it's a sort of global cash crisis it's not just one cock up that you might have made in your own business this is an almighty global you know catastrophe uh, financial crisis and catastrophe so Um, It's definitely unprecedented. And that word is used every time we talk about COVID. So too does unprecedented come into the conversation. So yes, without obvious reasons, it's definitely the worst time that I've ever had to experience any kind of leadership or any type of like balance sheet. However, I love it. Mm. Because I think to myself, if I can get through this and keep these organizations going and keep the team, and if I can actually get through this. And I say I, but I mean we. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's going to be simple next year.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, this is actually exhilarating. The stress is horrible. and But the fun factor is right up there. You know, if you're a, a, an entrepreneur and you get on the roller coaster, I mean, this is the terrifying bit. This is—I don't know what we're doing. Maybe we're doing sort of loops right now because it is daily a terror terror ride. Um, but that's what you're in for. This is what business is like. This is what starting something is like. And I would say also going back to, you know, uh, entrepreneurs who are thinking of starting up, I would also warn—it's not really a warning; it's a reality but reality check. Because I said it's very easy to start something it's very difficult to keep these things going and everything takes much longer than you think and those are really where I'm at right now it's very hard to keep these things going and particularly with what's going on right now and um, yeah I mean I, what can I say my feet are numb <laughs>
0: No, I think I think I think a lot of people can relate to to your situation, and I and I do think that in many respects, putting coronavirus aside for a second, that sometimes being an entrepreneur, that it's seen as as glamorous, and you know you're free, and you've got you know this kind of in control of your own destiny, and all the benefits of being an entrepreneur. But it's it's one of the hardest things you can do ever. It can be very lonely, and you're learning on the job. Everybody is mm-hmm. there's nobody at the top above you telling you what to do you're always generating your own ideas and your own your own opportunities and, and, and it can be tiring right I mean you're 13 years in mm. so have, have you had a break is this you know, continual 13 years or how, how how have you played it
1: um I suppose I've never had a break per se. I mean, yeah, I've had the odd holiday. I once went to Mongolia with no Wi-Fi for two weeks. That's the only break I've really had. There's (laughs) no signal there. It's
0: funny how you remember that more than anything, isn't it? No Wi-Fi for two weeks. That's the holiday you remember.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember that one. Um, I suppose, so the wait, the question is, how have I managed without a break, so to speak, for so
0: long. Yeah, I, I guess it's more I want the audience to understand your process. I mean, 13 years at the pace you're talking about, because I, I, I appreciate the coronavirus is like another gear, but, you know, you, you've probably been going at pace since you started yeah. to prove yeah. that giving up the dentistry... Lifestyle, you know, maybe prove to your parents or prove to friends that that was the right decision. So I can imagine from day one, you know, you've been quite motivated. So how have Mm. you managed it? I guess if someone's thinking of starting out, what was your mistakes and what, you know, what was your, how I
1: managed it. I've managed it because I'm so lucky that I enjoy it.
0: Mm.
1: I love what I do. So that's the only reason I've been able to cope. If I didn't enjoy this, there's no way in on earth that I could have lasted 13 years of ups and downs and, Mm you know, more ups and downs and work pressure. And, you know, I've got four kids as well. So the fact that I absolutely love what I do is the only reason that I am able to do it because um, otherwise, if you didn't enjoy it, I mean, my goodness, who would go through this hell?
0: But what you're talking about there, I think for the audience out there listening, this is crucial because a lot of people start a business because they see a niche or they see Mm. a gap in the market or they see yeah. a way of making some money. And I yeah. I wish I could transfer the knowledge of what you're talking about here, because I know it to be true too, into these people and, and make them realize that actually what matters is what they're doing is purposeful. Right? Yeah, because then, Because then the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, the, the battle scars involved don't hurt as much because it's, it's, yeah. there's a bigger picture thing here. But so many people yeah. don't start a business with purpose as the first thing they think about. They, they start a business with a gap in the market, right? Yeah.
1: Oh I mean, I don't know how people could do that. I mean, I, I just... So, for me, the purpose of what I do is at the core of why I get up every day and it's yeah. why I can weather the audits and the fundraise and the HR horror nightmares that come with any business because the purpose is number one and the purpose is so exhilarating that it, you know, takes me through it all. So, I mean, for me, and I, everyone's different, everyone's completely different, of course, but I couldn't run a business that I had no, didn't have my heart, you know, all over it. Mm. I couldn't in terms of that. I would also say that it's very important to say this because you said that there were eight types of entrepreneurs. I don't know what they are, but I just want to say what I am because maybe there's a ninth. So I have like my normal... Um, Yes, I'm an entrepreneur for sure, but there's a little sort of, it's not really a secret, but there's a little side little entrepreneurial thing that I do, which is the only way that I can survive, which is that I have bought and sold property since I was 19. And as you know, I'm 42 today. Um, so I just wanted to make that clear because in my world of the R Collective, I could not survive financially at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm only an entrepreneur because I've got another little much more profit-making um venture that I do on the side and it's important to say that because if you want to start up and be a true entrepreneur what well, you're going to have to you have to find a way to pay your bills mm. and so I found a way to pay my bills but they're not actually in the direct um, running of what I'm actually doing day by day by day and that's important because it's very it's actually quite difficult to make money as an entrepreneur Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much money you've got, and I'm not asking you. But yeah. you know, <laughs> well, you're smiling. You know what that means. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying. There? I do. You I do. can't. You know, there's a hobby entrepreneur who's you know inherited money or got money or married into money or you know however you get your money. But a true entrepreneur needs to survive on what they're actually doing. So I just want to make that really clear because I mm. think it's very romantic to think of yourself as an entrepreneur. But unless you're surviving on your on what you're making, I don't know that you are an entrepreneur, are you?
0: I think it's a really valid point and I kind of want to unpack it and I'm wondering how because there's a part of me that wants to help people understand that finding purpose will drive you to do what you love every day and I do believe there is sometimes a misunderstanding that because it's a purposeful business it won't make money and that's not true of course there are businesses that can have purpose that can have a meaning that are very profitable but I think what you're talking about, which is, which is an, a great insight, is, is this kind of idea that there are maybe things that you want to do that can't generate money for whatever reason. They, they're an NGO, let's put it you know, that way. And they, these yeah. things, you know, they're not, they're not money making schemes that you know, maybe you can, as an entrepreneur, build a money making scheme to fund that. I mean, yeah. to, to me, that the, the, no, he's, he's a controversial figure at the moment, so I'm scared to say it. I might get spammed like crazy. But, uh, you know, Bill Gates is a good example of someone like this. He goes away and builds Microsoft. It's hugely profitable. And then he goes away, and, and like him or not, I don't want to get into the debate, you know, he then goes away and does the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and tries to eradicate diseases and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, you know, I'm not... Uh, again not validating his approach I'm just saying that as a structure it's interesting it kind of to me explains what you're saying which is you know build a business that's very profitable maybe Microsoft didn't really have a big purpose other than just dominate the software world and, and then with that profit he went and did what he thought was good and purposeful mm-hmm. and, and could drive him and and, and and keep him interested and so on so I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's a very valid point uh, I have this question a lot from people around property and I don't know your approach that the question I get a lot from people is, should I buy property? And if I do buy property and rent it out, am I an entrepreneur? My normal quick answer to that is no, you're a property developer. <laughs> you know, I think there's, it, it, it's, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur as such. I think entrepreneur piece for me and i'd love to get i'd love to debate you a little bit on this maybe is like it is really about going out there and building something that perhaps employs people that perhaps has an impact on the world and any anyone can buy and sell property and 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 a lot of people do
1: so let me say that I'm, i'm an entrepreneur in that between redress the charity and the r collective probably there are like 23 ish 24 whatever people in employment but I could not afford I've got four kids Mm. so I've been able to have more income to support the fact that I've got outgoings from property Mm. so I am actually I mean this is way too embarrassing I'm not on the balance sheet
0: Mm. Mm.
1: I'm so I mean like I mean that but that's the reality I'm not on the balance sheet because I've got four kids so if Mm. I had to put in there at private schools I mean forget it yeah so, what, so what I'm saying is, it's certainly entrepreneurial what we've done because I've created, you know, obviously a workforce and economy and um, obviously output. But personally, um, I couldn't have put four kids through private school. Mm. So for me, um, that's my choice to put them through private education, and I've only been able to do that because I have dabbled in some property,
0: mm.
1: which has allowed me to ensure that my kids get the education that I want them to have.
0: Mm. This is, is that all, that fair totally fair enough. And I think it's yeah. really interesting. And I, and I actually this is the reason I love doing this podcast, because a lot of entrepreneurs will stand up on a soapbox and tell you, as I do, you know, go and do a purposeful business, right, as if it's so easy. And that's the end of it. But actually, it's so much more complicated than that. And what you're talking about is so valid in my mind, because you're talking about, you know, steps to get there. So you're saying I've got bills to pay. This is how I paid my bills, and that allowed me to then go do a business yeah. that's purposeful. Because that business couldn't afford me on the balance sheet, and that business couldn't afford to put my four children through private school. So, and, and I think that's a great lesson for people to understand. I guess my fear is that then people will think, right? Well, okay, I won't. I'll go make a business that makes money, and I won't necessarily ever get around to doing a business of purpose. No, I
1: disagree with you completely on that because. We know, okay, so why I disagree is that in theory, so the R Collective is a social impact business. So it's for-profit, it's purposeful, It's and in it, raising and making money through sales, et cetera, it is achieving its mission, which is to reduce waste. So I have a business which is profitable. At the moment, it is still not profitable because it's early stages. You'd come back to me in five, 10 years' time, and mm. I could be I could be saying, yeah, you know, it's worth, it, the, the company's worth 20 million. I'm making it up. I hope it will, but mm-hmm. it hasn't got there yet. So it could be, and it should be, that purpose-driven businesses are absolutely profitable. Mm. The point is, I'm still in a loss-making phase of the, because I'm in startup mode. Mm. So that's really, you know, pe- there, it is possible. It is very difficult. But it is certainly possible to have a purpose-driven business that is profitable, but it's going to take you a long time.
0: Mm, yeah I, I, so,
1: I mean I, you, you need a buffer, you need a buffer, particularly again, I'm talking I'm 42, and I've got four kids. there are startups, you know they don't have the same costs that I've got because mm, they haven't got kids yet. and mm, then well that's a different scenario. Mm.
0: I, again, I think as much that's
1: true. capital to survive.
0: I, to- yeah. I, think, I think you're totally right. I mean, I've only just had a child in my life, so I'm experiencing two things, not just the financial element of having a child but the emotional and time element you know that, 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 what, I, I have two different types of mentoring advice for people that have kids and don't have kids I think there's actually a very big difference because if you if you don't have kids frankly you can take a lot more chances I mean I, I, I left school at 15 and home at 15 and started a company and so you know if I would had a child at that point there's no way I could have lived in a crappy little one-roomed uh, location in Cambridge and, and then started a business by literally sleeping under my desk, it's not going to happen if you've got yeah. a family, right? So, you know, how I started my business by keeping my costs low, you know, that that's that's very different to like, you've got a family today, you've got to provide, you don't like your job. That's why so many people are stuck in the jobs they don't like, right? Yeah. Because they've got to make the bills, they've got to pay the bills, they've got to make the ends meet, right? So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I guess it's, it's it's again, why I like doing this podcast, because... Personally, I don't like standing up on a soapbox and telling people, you know, go and do something purposeful without understanding the nuances of the many different ways in which you can get there. And I think what you're saying, which I love, is that this is how you got there. This is how you do it. Do you think, just being a little bit confrontational about it, do you think if you didn't have that income stream and your kids didn't go to private school and then you were, let's say, nothing but focused on the business, the business would benefit and the kids would benefit? Or do you think the structure you've got today is the right structure?
1: Um, The structure that I've got today is the right structure um, because you've got to realise that I spent 10 years in non-profit world, so there was never an inkling of any cash coming Mm. in that way. So I've, it's, it's such a deep-rooted structure that I've set up for my life that um, it feels like the right one. Um, but I would also say that I am a true entrepreneur because I've been, I was selling horse shit when I was 12.
0: <laughs> to horses? <laughs> buying
1: and selling, yeah. <laughs> Literally, I used to help sell horse shit. Um,
0: That's a good one. That's so, also not on your LinkedIn, I would like to add. <laughs>
1: quality horseshit. i've got it
0: yeah you um, need it i've got so it so i
1: say i say that because um I, okay look go rewind i'm i i won ten thousand quid when i was about 20 19 and with that i bought my first flat as the deposit in london i bought an absolute she wasn't such a shithole it was quite bad but anyway the point is i've got the kind of trading kind of you know, I should be a, a second-hand car dealer or something like that. So why I say that is because I had way before I'd even considered having a family. I had bought, started to buy and sell property because I loved it. I loved the kind of the thrill of the chase and finding a good deal, doing it up. This was when the market was really picking up. So I was already well on my way doing that and 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 getting the thr- the thrill of the chase and the benefit of it actually. Financially, way before I, I even had the concept of um, setting up what I did. So I didn't even answer your question.
0: No, I don't think for, for me, for, no, what, what you said was, I, I, I think it links. You know, to, to me, okay. there's an element of, no, what, what is it again i'm always thinking about the listeners when we're chatting because i think two entrepreneurs chatting sometimes we can we can miss the bit that's useful to people and i think the bit that's useful to people here is that there's many different ways to get there right there's many different ways to get there when listening to you what i like is that you know you kind of stand by your system because i often say to people that want to start their own business for example i would say to people you want to start your own business they'll say yes and then they'll say as an investor they'll say to me this is the amount of money i need and I'll say, okay, why do you need that much money? And then they'll say, well, I've got two kids in private school and I've got this and I've got that. And I have said at points, do, do, you, do those kids need to be in private school or would they be happier if their father or mother was happy doing what they did, loved every day and was more engaged because they were happy? And, and therefore, private school is like a secondary thing that does or does not matter. I left school at 15, so I'm, mm. I'm, I'm quite down on education. And I can mm. even argue that private school can insulate you. And, and, but I didn't go to private school, so I can't talk from mm. a point of knowledge. I can only talk from a point of no education at all. Uh, being, <laughs> be, being a benefit, being a benefit to me. I retired at 40 yeah. because yeah. I didn't go to university i yeah, but I'm, you, you know, had a
1: hungry streak. I mean, no kid leaves school at 15 and starts a business unless you've got a very, very hungry streak.
0: So uh, Yeah, I mean, my, my story, my, today is about you, so I don't, I don't yeah, want to diverge yeah, into, sure. into me. But, you know, my hunger streak came because my father died at 15 years old in front of me. I was 15 years old when he died in front of me. And the lesson I took from that was he started his own business way too late in life. He started his own business in his 40s, and it killed him. So So I took away that moment and said hold on a minute, I, I, I have this ambition in me, yes, but I was going to be a lawyer. My parents, I you know, grew up in Cambridge, they wanted me to be a lawyer. So, you know, that, that whole path, maybe I could have been you in the sense that, you know, I could have got... I don't know, why did yeah. you end up being a dentist? Let's, let's talk about that for a second. How did that happen? I...
1: Okay, so I became a dentist because I finished my A-levels, I didn't know what to do, and I took two years out on gap years, and I still couldn't decide. I was going to do medicine, I got a place, then I changed my mind because I worked in a hospital, and then ultimately, I had my place, and I thought, I don't know what to do, so I changed it to dentistry because, drum roll, my parents are dentists. Ah! Uh, so I just got it. But that's not, the, the other part of this answer is this, and it's actually very important, this part, because my sister probably won't want me telling you this, but it. Uh, Basically, my sister got divorced at the time that I was 19 trying to decide what to do with life. And anyone going through divorce, I haven't experienced it, but it's tough. And she had a tough time, as anyone does, nothing out of the ordinary. And I decided as a young girl, 19, that I wanted to always be uh, self-sufficient. Mm. And so when I was dithering about what to do with my life, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to get a proper job. Just know that whatever happens, I can, I've got earning power, whatever. I could sell shit or I could fill teeth. Mm. I can do it. Mm. I've got all my bases covered. Mm. And so on my first day of uni, I hated it. And I thought, oh my God, I've only done five years of this. I did it because I want, I know that whatever happens, I'll be okay. Mm. But but
0: you stuck it out for five years, even though day one, you hated it. Yeah. Jesus, you're definitely an entrepreneur, aren't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I learned a lot, and I was doing property on the side. You know, I bought and sold a few times during that time. Did and I, um...
0: Your parents into property?
1: No, no. Where well, my mum likes so I mean, My mum always wished that she was an architect, and we always sort of talk about, you know... Yeah, we, we like talking about stuff, but no. Um, my point is, I've got all my bases covered, which allowed me to be free.
0: Mm. It's interesting because, you know, two entrepreneurs talking, I, I, uh, I, I always, I, in many respects, I have kind of the opposite advice to people. And so, again, that's why I like this podcast, because I like I like my own thesis to be to be challenged. And so, you know, my thing is always like if you're going to build a business, it's a bit like going to an island and you're going to build a city on that island. And you get there and you realize there's no resources on this island. So you think to yourself, you know what, I'll just go back to where I came from. And my idea is that when you get to that island, you burn the boat. That got you there, because once you're there, you can't go back on that boat and go and be a dentist again. You can't because you burnt the boat. So you you've got no choice but to then find the resources on this island and turn it into what you want. So you're kind of you're kind of an example of I'm wrong. (laughs) You know, because to me, you've got you've got your bases covered. You could have gone back to dentistry. I would never I would never recommend someone spends five years doing something they don't love. But you've done it all and come out the other side with a very purposeful business, a very successful career. And, and so you're the opposite to my advice, but you're a success regardless.
1: Well, I only half burnt the boat, you know, because I'm not qualified anymore, so I can't do it. But, you know, if I needed to build a boat, I could quit. I could if I needed to. But it, again, that's because I experienced my sister going through a really rough time. Mm. And I thought, I don't ever want to go through that,
0: mm. ever.
1: So, I mean, that was a decision that I made as a very young person. Um, whether or not I ever need to build a boat again remains to be seen. Probably I'll never build it again.
0: It's interesting how those early years, what you see around you affects you so much, isn't it? Like my example with my father and your example with your sister, you know, that's one of the things I always kind of also suggest to people that they surround themselves with people that can inspire them, right? But it also sometimes having people that have made mistakes and you learn from their mistakes. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah.
1: I think so. I mean, yeah, to I mean, you can't, I suppose in this situation, we're constantly influencing people around us, whether they know it or not. Um, And I suppose the direct, your unfortunate, you know, story with your father, mine with my sister, it made a massive imprint on me for Mm. sure. Mm. Yeah
0: was your sister much older than you was, was...
1: yeah she 's ten years older than me
0: right so you 've got your twenty nine year old she won 't like this we 'll have to give her a credit on this she has got a business we can promote <laughs> later on the on the link or something you know' she 's suddenly becoming a feature in the story, but i think it, I think it 's interesting and and so you know but is there an element of that that 's also like okay for example, I think your partner in life for me anyway, I can talk about myself, has allowed me to do what I love every day she hasn 't said to me buy me a fancy house, buy me a fancy car or support me or anything. She's always said, what do you love every day and do that and we'll make ends meet. So your partner alignment is so crucial. Do you, do you, What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, my husband, he's bored to death of what I do, but <laughs> um, he's very supportive of it. Um, no, I'm very, very, very lucky because he's supportive of it. And when I made the decision to leave dentistry, um, it was a joint decision. Right. Yeah, it was a right. joint decision. No, that
0: <laughs> you, sold, you told him you were going to do it, and he said, okay. Was it that type of joint decision? <laughs> uh,
1: no, we pretend that things are joint decisions. Right,
0: I know. I, I, have a, yes. I have a partner like that. Yeah, She makes me think Good. even better than that. She makes me think it's my decision. <laughs> Just genius. Like, we were living in Hong Kong. I was perfectly happy. And then she suggested living in England, and somehow it became my idea. And here we are living in England again. I don't know how that yeah. happened exactly, but, but it's um, power of the power of the
1: female,
0: I yeah. think. Yeah, that's true. But um, luck-wise, I mean, I, I have this theory about luck. Um, what, what's your feeling about luck? Do you think luck plays a part in it all, or how do you, how do you view it?
1: I'm not really sure about luck because I, I I'm not even sure that I believe in luck. I know you do, but I don't think I believe in it because I mainly because i was influenced by a ted ted talk that i watched on a flight not long ago um and the lady the expert she's a stanford like entrepreneurial kind of expert tina c ling um and actually the podcast because i had a quick look at what it what it was called it's called success or failure oh no wait what's it called yeah, so basically, I think you and I probably disagree about luck as well because I'm not sure that I particularly believe in it because it's too ab- it's too sort of wishy-washy. I mean, where who makes luck and where where does it actually come from? Mm. I don't know that that's necessarily true. And I was particularly influenced by a TED talk that I watched on a flight recently by a kind of Stanford professor called Tina Sealing. And she argued that um, there is really no such thing as luck she gave the definition i'm reading it actually that luck is success or failure apparently caused by chance and um she argues that the apparently is not necessarily what we believe it to be so what does that actually mean she gave the vision and it has really helped me that luck is like the wind and you know it's blowing around us it's gusty it's um it's in schools or it's in flutters or all i forget all the names for for wind but Maybe there is luck everywhere around us, but it doesn't just like smack you in the face and say, you know, today you're the lucky one. It's actually about you as an individual and the way she puts it, being on, if you're on a boat sailing, moving your, 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 your sails, making your sails larger, catching the wind, finding where is that lucky streak? It's over there, moving with it. And I really like that, the idea of being, let's just say, a boat in a choppy, choppy ocean following the wind. Mm. following the luck because yeah. I definitely don't think it just lands on your mm. it lands on your desk
0: mm. yeah I think I think that's a great example I, I know I know exactly what you mean in fact I think you know it's not that then you're saying luck doesn't exist I'm saying it does and actually by that definition luck does exist it's just a question of capturing it in your sales right yes exactly
1: Capturing. it I just don't believe that it lands I don't think it's just like a, it doesn't just like land on you. today you're the lucky one. It doesn't. Yeah.
0: Well, you've got to go out and find it. It's again, I mean, the reason I do this podcast is, is just to talk about this subject of luck because I, I want entrepreneurs out there to understand about, I think luck is a skill. We're actually saying the same, actually. I'm saying yeah. luck is a skill. Okay. It's not random. Um, but what, I, what I'm also saying is you absolutely need it to be successful. How do you Ooh. capture it? However, there is a caveat to all of that and there is the other type of luck and I, and I, I you know, for example, where you're born there's no sale that you've yeah. you've yeah, you've 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 built to capture yeah. that luck. You're born into the right environment, or you know parents yeah. that yeah. can educate you, or for example, or, yeah. or help you.
1: But there's no yeah, I know. But at that point, you're born, and we've had our education. We're talking about you know people who are, you know entrepreneurial, starting up, or thinking about starting up. You can't kind of look back and go, oh, "I wasn't lucky." Yeah, it's tough. That's, that's happened that bit. Right. It's from this point onwards that you can master whatever wind or whatever luck is in front of you.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's true. I think actually what I tend to say to people, I can see an entrepreneur that's going to make it an entrepreneur that's not going to make it depending on their perspective of what's just happened to them. So you're an example of someone I absolutely know will always be successful because you're looking at coronavirus and saying, I'm actually excited about the opportunities and the chance to make a difference. And, you know, you're seeing it as a positive, whereas I know some people are like, oh, the business has got to close, coronavirus hit us. You know, that's the end, you know. So it's, sometimes it's about perspective. But I, and it's interesting. You're a very interesting example. You're, you're somewhat of a, a walking conflict, and I like that. For example, you won 10000 Pounds. Sounds like that was a lucky moment that bought your first property.
1: Yeah, but I was only lucky because I went out to win this money. So how I won the money, it was like the precursor to Big Brother. It was called Housemates from Hell, and it was run by a radio station called Heart Heart One Hundred Two Point Heart One Hundred Six. You know, Heart Radio. Station. Yes, yeah. Um, and they had uh, a, a radio and internet version of what became Housemates from Hell. So, I mean, sorry, Big Brother. Um, and I wanted the money, so I went out and found that money. I applied for the competition, and I was very naughty because i I went on this competition without asking my uni for the time off, and I basically disappeared for some time. Um, and I, I found that 10 grand myself.
0: So but wasn't there an element of luck in the whole process that that you got selected and then you won?
1: Yeah okay I was lucky that they were looking for a personality that was similar to mine and I was lucky that actually they didn't actually select me what actually happened it was a Monday afternoon they were going live the next morning on a Tuesday morning and I got a call at five o'clock saying the other girl had pulled out because she was the celebrity's kid I can't remember who she was and she must have had cold feet um and she jumped out she didn't want it so that's why overnight I basically buggered off for a month because I had to go and live in this fake house for a month and I suppose,
0: yeah, right, I'll give it to you. Luck's true. She pulled out, I got in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it's, it's not, I'm definitely not trying to prove that I'm right or wrong. It's more, I'm trying to understand people's journeys and how they got there. And I want people to see that there's an element of some, some people, for example, they, they hear sayings like, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I, and I want them to know that that's not true. I want to break okay. some of those sayings. You know, I want them to say that sometimes luck does just happen and you working your guts out to make it make luck happen yeah. won't necessarily achieve luck. It might achieve bad health. Yeah, right? a breakdown. Exactly. So there is an element yeah. of, you know, I hate these business sayings like that. And I, and I kind of want people to see luck as something that happens. If For me, the, the ultimate would probably be luck happens if you do something purposeful. But I don't want to burden people with always having to do something purposeful. Mm. But luck, 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 you know, you're lucky that you're doing what you're doing. And luck is a very funny word in this context, but because you're enjoying what you do every day. Mm. And to me, that's you created that you've created your own luck to my point that it's a yeah. skill yeah right yeah, but you I also so. have to see that to appreciate it have gratitude for it right otherwise it oh. could be that you're doing something for the last 13 years where you've earned nothing thank god you had this other business on the side and you no know, what's the point of it all you know you're doing it for no profit and no one seems to be appreciative of it and blah 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 right so Tell me a little bit about your, 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 your business now and, and, and its kind of goals.
1: So um, the R Collective social impact business, it's an upcycled women's wear fashion brand and it's a waste management service provider for fashion industry. So the mission of this business is to reduce waste. That means that we capture, rescue, recycle, reuse... Waste materials from other businesses and other fashion businesses. And we, through design, through innovation, through supply chain, through recycling partners, we reduce waste.
0: Hmm. And how long have you been doing it?
1: Well, I mean, I've actually, in some ways, I've been doing it for 13 years since I started Redress, the nonprofit, which has a similar mission. But I've actually, physically in the company structure of the R Collective, actually been doing it for two and a half years.
0: Hmm. And how did you make it happen? What was the process to bring this biz- this business about? And what is the business model exactly?
1: The business model is um, a fashion brand. So we take fabrics and we redesign them and we create women's wear and we sell them wholesale to like Netta Porter, Lane Crawford, um, and we are direct to consumer through our website. So fifty fifty of our sales are across wholesale and direct to consumer, roughly mm-hmm. roughly. Um, And then our other revenue stream is basically um, getting rid of other brands' waste in a sustainable way, which means that we basically have a service fee to um, deal with other people's mistakes, other people's waste. Mm. So revenue has gone through the, you know, it's fallen through a massive hole this year for obvious reasons. Um, It's terrifying. Um, But that said, and I'm probably not answering your question, how do I start this? I started it because I was very, very knowledgeable of waste, having done 10 years of redress and understanding how and where waste is generated in the supply chain. And I started it because it was rude not to. Why I say that is because I had so much knowledge and insight and connections that made it so easy to just get the catalyst, which was some cash, and, you know, put that spark of cash into what we already had. Um, and what sort of knowledge we already had and connections, et cetera. And that's why I started the business. But really, if you think about it, you know, we talk about purpose-driven business, you know, and in the fashion industry, we need it enormously because, um, you know, fashion is a hugely, you know, out of control sector that's very polluting. So the idea of having a fashion brand, that the more successful that this fashion fashion brand gets, both in terms of sales and revenue, the more good we can do. So that's, I mean, I'm focused on obviously generating more cash for the business, because every drop of cash I can get in the door is positive impact. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And actually, I mean, you know, I said to you that my feet were numb and I said that um, this is a terrifying time. I'm literally, I've been fundraising for six months. So the first, I, I funded the first um, kind of round myself or the kind of seed funding. Um, And now I'm getting investors on board. And literally, I mean, I've been fundraising since August and with great success. But I I mean, I'm right on the nose of getting these people confirmed and lined up. And so it's to the point of what if I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done a proper fundraise in terms of for-profit sector. I have fundraised forever on non-profit. This is my first fundraise. And uh, I'm winging it like crazy, uh, but I'm getting there. So um, it's terrifying.
0: I, I love your story and I love your honesty. And I think, I mean, I have raised business, money for my businesses too, and it never gets easy. You're basically asking people to give you money. As, as an entrepreneur, it's actually quite tough. You kind of, I, I always like it when I can just fund it all myself and I don't have to yeah. bother you know, pitching my yeah. kind of complicated vision to, to someone else right that's why even on yeah. this podcast I don't have any sponsors I don't want people have asked me but part of me doesn't want to have any compromise where I have to not swear yeah. for example or I have to you know in any way curtail my vision and I feel like you know a, a kindred spirit in what in, in you in and that, in, that, in that sense and so I, it's never easy but it's nice that you're honest about it I think that a lot of people aren't and it's a really difficult process but good for you persevering and it's a tough time for anyone to be raising funds generally for a business it's tough but during this time probably 10x right
1: yeah yeah but i'm i i am lucky because ah, you see i'm lucky ah, i'm got you. very 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 lucky because i know fantastic people mm. and that is because This is a very genuine mission and purpose. And therefore, I've got incredible people that want to support. Mm. And this is not philanthropy. This is investment. This Mm. is, you know, profit raising, profit making. But, you know, as I said, you know, when the shit hits the fan, obviously it's tricky, but you need solid people around you. And there are many, 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 Mm. many solid people out there. Mm.
0: I I find you're you're one of these people that if I talk to you i kind of always want to go on the opposite side just to see what you say so i actually think in this case you're not lucky i know because we're connected through mutual friends that you have worked very hard to build up a good reputation you've taken care of your of your people you've taken care of the charities you've been involved in so you've earned that network of respect Mm -hmm. and so ironically i i kind of think that's not luck yeah there's there's the funny thing you say luck and now i'm saying but that's grit. that that is you've made your own luck there Um, and that's why I want to add a definition to the dictionary which is this second piece of luck you've created yourself but that's
1: exactly you see so now I need luck but actually you're dead right I made this luck 13 years ago when I started to build you know authenticity honesty true passion and absolutely delivery of delivery of impact and delivery of what we say we're going to do we do it we might not do it in the same way but we always get there we do it
0: yep love it I
1: also want to say one other thing because I don't like I. I can't stand I, mm. and there's been a lot of I today. But um, it, you know, it's a we. Yeah. You're talking to me, so I've been saying I, but I yeah. detest the notion of a big ego in I. I like we.
0: I like we as well. <laughs> Sounds wrong when I say it for some reason, but but. <laughs> But I, I actually, it's funny you say that because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing this podcast pretty much on my own today. And normally it's, we are doing this podcast. And I find myself saying, I, I think we is so powerful. I agree with you. But we are, we do find it hard as humans not to, dis- we're always thinking about ourselves initially, right? We're born inside our own brains. So, but we is so powerful. I agree. H- your team, how do you, how do, during this crisis right now, how are, you, how are you keeping it all together? What's your strategy?
1: Um, well, both teams, it's slightly different. But um, it's difficult because the reality is, you know, most sort of employees don't really see the true horror of the balance sheet. Um, and neither do I really want them to see that, actually. Um, so it's difficult. It's about – so the answer is about maintaining calm and maintain, – I'm trying to tell myself that – staying calm encouraging and protecting mm. the teams, and mm. keeping them feeling, you know, really that um, positive. Mm. It's difficult because it mm. ain't a positive scenario out mm. there. Mm. So it's di- I'm, I'm stuttering because it's quite difficult, but
0: yes.
1: we've got a lot of, still got a lot of great things happening. So I don't, you know, your responsibility to the people who work in your teams is to allow them to feel fulfilled as well as, um, You know, to give them the purpose in their role. So at the moment, yeah, of course, it's difficult, but um, they don't need to know all of the horrors.
0: Mm. That's another dilemma for an entrepreneur, isn't it? You're touching on another subject that kind of somehow makes me, um, it gives me a, a sensation of past feelings I've had about all the worry being on me in building a business that feeds other people as well. And so, you know, I've seen people suggest in business I've been involved in, why don't you put the cash flow on the wall so that people are motivated to understand if we don't get X done this month, we're not going to make payroll. You know, and I I never did it. I always, you know, I always like kept it to myself. But it's a difficult Mm -hmm. decision, isn't it? Because you you kind of want them to understand how important it is to keep pushing. If not, if anything, push harder now than ever. But you don't want to scare people so they go the opposite way, (laughs) right? And,
1: and yeah, I think so. I mean, I think most people. This—it's not like one business is tanking. You know, the whole the whole world is kind of tanking. So at least we're all—they—they they all know how serious it is at the moment. But mm. we, I don't need to give a number to it, mm. really, because mm. they go—they go home. They get it from their partners, their moms, their dads, their uncles, their aunts. You know, everyone's talking about the same thing. So at mm. least they know how we're—we're we're in it in this kind of cash crisis altogether.
0: Mm. Well, I think I, do, I mean, I could talk to you forever. And I, I look forward to the day we can actually sit down and have a coffee together and chat about entrepreneur life. But just li- leaving with a few things. First of all, is there anything myself or my audience can do to help you? The second question really is kind of a more lighthearted thing. If you went back to your, your younger self and gave some advice, what would it be?
1: I think in terms of audiences, the, the help is, um, I suppose, just to follow us and to talk about us and to know what we are doing and to be interested in what we do. I mean, yeah, if anyone's got a few mil, I'll have it.
0: Uh, uh, come on, Sequoia. I know you've listened to this podcast a few times. Step in and, and, and help, help this fantastic entrepreneur, please.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I'm being facetious. I mean, yeah, of course, money's king at this time, or king and queen and jack and, you know, ace mm. of spades and all the rest of it, but... um no, I think being really engaged in what we're all doing is is, is important, and that is of help, um, talking about us, etc. cetera. Um, if I could go back and tell myself, my younger self, a piece of advice, um, I would say that whatever you are going to do, it's going to take you much longer than you ever expect. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the second part of that is that you better be sure you want to do it. Because I even think, wow, I'm going to take this fundraise in because I'm nearly closing now. And to your point, I then will have other investors whose money I take incredibly seriously, and therefore I'm going in for another you know ten years. Mm. I've mm. signed up for another ten years of this, so mm. it's uh, it takes a long time and it's a lot of hard work.
0: Wow, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. i, I you've said some things that um, really resonate with me. I've enjoyed the challenges on certain subjects. I um, just want to sum up a few things that I've taken away from, from this for the audience. First of all, I just want to say to anyone listening, all the links for Christina's businesses will be, are in the comments or in, in, of this broadcast. So please um, follow her, connect with her. Um, any, even just saying hello, I'm sure would mean a lot to her just to show your support. Equally, if you know anyone out there that's got a couple of meal that could invest in her business other than me, please uh please do share her story um and again sequoia step up please i know you listen to this podcast i've seen you on the analytics i will i will sum up uh what i what i what i uh take away um don't be scared to sell horse shit there's no there's no there's no uh there's no pride to be had it's a means to an end and uh i think it's a it's probably a product a lot of people need <laughs> uh If you are enjoying what you do, then there's no need for a pat on the back. I think that's Christina's opening kind of comment at the beginning of this podcast and and resonates with me tremendously. And I think it's something you should take away and remember, you're not working for someone anymore. You don't need that pat on the back, especially if the outcome of what you're producing is that pat on the back. No experience is needed to do what you find Uh, purposeful. A lot of people will tell you, well, what do you know about that? And what do you know about this? I agree with Christina personally, that sometimes having no experience in that industry can make you naive, which can be quite a powerful tool if leveraged correctly. Um, That doesn't mean to say if you've got experience in an industry, you shouldn't use it to your advantage. My last guest, Simon Long, um, built a bank uh, from scratch because he was in banking before but um, I'm sure his next uh, venture will not be banking once you've learnt to be an entrepreneur then you can transfer those skills across but do not think that you need to know space to go and do a space business. Elon Musk certainly knew nothing about space. He just hired the talented people. He just believed that this planet needs, uh, we need to have the humans on a second planet. So he went and built a space-linked company. He didn't know anything about space at that point. So I think Christina's point is very valid. Do not need experience to do what you love. Um, And remember, folks, again, Christina's quote today, which I love, which is, anyone can do a business when it's easy. It's this moment now that really determines who's a true entrepreneur and who was faking it so love the pain um, and have a side hustle enjoy the process the highs and lows because we'll all be dead soon Christina didn't say that that's my view so I hope um, I hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast I want to thank our guest Christina thank you so much for your time on your birthday um All my audience right now who are listening to this will be singing you happy birthday. So around the world, um, from Asia to America to right here in London, happy birthday. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for your time and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for making the place we live in a better place. All right. Bye bye. Thank you. See you soon. Thanks.